And sure enough, she brought out these little tools, these little like cloth looking cylinder shaped uh, poi was what I learned they were called. Dip them in some mysterious liquid, <laughs> lit them on fire, and then started spinning them around. And I was instantly mesmerized. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. In today's episode, I interview Nikki Evers about flow arts. And he will explain what flow arts is for those of you that don't even know. But if you've ever been in a park before at a music fest and you've seen people with hula hoops, like using them in really interesting ways around their body or people that are fire spinning, like that would be another example of flow arts. Nikki is kind of like a big deal in the flow arts community. He's really well known, but he is incredibly humble. So he doesn't really talk like it at all, but he's actually about to be headlining the Philippines uh, flow fest. So he's being flown across the world to teach flow arts over there. Nikki actually has a bachelor's degree in Tai Chi and really knows a lot about um, just good, strong core movement philosophy that makes him kind of have a different insight into flow arts that a lot of other people don't have and and makes him really valuable in that world. So without further ado, here is flow arts. Nikki, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Blake. Absolutely. So why don't you start off by giving us a definition of flow arts? Because I think a lot of people maybe think they know what that is or they have no idea at all. Um, But yeah, just help us out here. It's a daunting task, to be honest. Uh, I've tried a lot. I've heard a lot of people try. Um, I would say the quickest and most accessible definition is that it is a umbrella term for a type of movement arts that generally involves a prop done in a, a used in a creative fashion. It's like a melding of martial arts, dance, and uh, creative sort of psychology and mindfulness practice. So, what are some of the more common? Um like flow arts that people will have seen? Like if you say like, oh, like that would be an example of it. What What's like a common thing? I think the most common is probably hula hooping. Uh, that's something that's been around in the United States for a long time and other places before, before that. Uh, but poi is another pretty common one. A lot of people will think of that as the Hawaiian uh, fish dish, <laughs> but it's actually a, uh, it's a ball on a string with a handle that is swung around the body in a kind of kinetic way. Um, and that's another really common one. Also stabs, maybe, or juggling, uh, juggling balls and or clubs. Any of the circus arts could be included in the, into the umbrella, depending on who you're asking. So just straightforward juggling, like juggling, just standing there juggling in place would be a flow art? I would consider it. And this is where it gets a little tricky and why I, I sort of stumble upon the definition is that the definition is still up to debate. <laughs> There's a lot of sort of uh, different sides to that argument or to that decision um, and some people want to be some jugglers don't feel like what they're doing should be called a flow art some people think that juggling is part of flow arts some people think that uh, you know knowing how to paint really well is technically sort of included in flow arts whereas the painters probably don't think of themselves as flow arts so or flow artists so I think that it's a uh, it's kind of hard but I personally think of juggling in all of its traditional and more contemporary forms as part of flow arts. So it's interesting. I When I heard the term flow arts, I just immediately assumed, you know, I, I kind of knew what it was because I live in a super like 
hippie liberal area in San Francisco. So you see people doing that. And I go to music festivals a lot. So you see people with like hula hoops or like spinning various things around and stuff. So I, I assume that that's, you know, what it referred to. And I, I guess I was right. Um, and I assume that the reason that it was called flow arts was because it looks like you're, you're flowing, you're trying to keep everything in a nice flow and in this nice movement. So I, I assume that that's why it was called flow arts. I watched this beautiful documentary, which as it just so happens, was made by you, which I didn't even know when I was making it. And then at the end of the documentary, it was like made by Nikki Evers. I was like, what the hell? Like, that's who I'm interviewing. This is great. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So we'll talk about that more later because that movie seriously kicked ass. Um, But uh, one of the first people that you talk to in the documentary who is kind of like well known in the flow arts world was talking about flow arts as um, being in a flow state, which is a kind of an en vogue term right now because of people trying to hack different areas of their lives and like optimize performance and this and that. So he was talking about the flow arts being some sort of, of movement that will get you into that flow state that will get you into the here and now and um, where your art is just happening for you and, and you're just in it. Um, I guess in that regard, it makes sense that people would consider painting a flow art. Totally. Another great example in my daily life is doing the dishes. I noticed like that's one moment in my day where I often sort of lose myself in my activity as simple as it is. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely not a novel or esoteric idea or term or experience. I think people uh, experience it every day in different degrees. Um, some people maybe don't experience it to an extreme degree very often. And some people who are really extremely practiced in one trade or one skill or art form, I think are the people who who experience it kind of the most fully and maybe are most familiar with it. But it's just, you know, being in the zone is another good synonym for it. Yeah. And everybody's familiar with that, whether it's through sports, whether it's through uh, an academic routine or academic study, or just being with their friends and having a good time. It's like those feelings of, relaxation comfort and loss of sense of self loss of sense of time you just kind of lose yourself in a book something along those lines i think is really uh you know some uh, a general encapsulation of it but then i really do think it's important to distinguish that there's different sort of flavors of it there's different a range of how much you can lose yourself in that book sometimes you just are reading the page and you're still very aware that you're reading a book and that you're sort of in this fictional world um, or sometimes you really lose yourself fully in that world of the book and completely lose sense or lose track of the fact that you're reading that page. And I think that that's important to kind of make that distinction. Yeah. And it sounds like for the most part, if something is truly considered a flow art, it's, it's like one of these things that, that you're practicing your coordination and, uh, I don't, I don't really know how else to put, I mean, when you see people doing the different things, it's all like, well, yeah, those things belong together in a family, you know, it's like totally. one of those things you just see and you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now I'm. I think I'm going to start trying to do my dishes in flow art style. That would be <laughs> super awesome. Yeah. I think that for me, one of the most valuable aspects about it, or something that it's uh, given to me, is is the recognition of of learning how to sort of distinguish how my mind, my state of mind, changes as I do an activity, and how that the relationship between how challenging that activity is and how much practice I put into it, how those meet up in a really interesting way. To create like more or less sense of uh, natural focus and loss of sense of self. It's interesting. That was a really recurring theme in the movie was about how much practice these things take and repetition. And um, 
I, whenever I see people in the past, would see people now. Now, after watching that documentary, it's like I'm never going to look at it the same way again. But uh, in the past, when I would see people doing that, it would just be like, "Oh, that that girl's like good at it because she's got good balance or whatever." It didn't really strike me as the type of thing that you would sit there for like an hour every day, just like repetition, repetition, practicing, practicing, because of the nature of it being this flow thing. Um, my, my mistaken prior definition of flow arts of just being this very liquid, organic flowing thing. It doesn't look, um, like this, this rigid practiced thing, which I guess certainly not rigid, but, uh, I, I, I think a lot of things are probably like that, right? Where when someone's doing it well, it just looks really effortless and easy, but it, that doesn't mean that that's how it is. Yeah, but it's also important for me to recognize that um, a lot of people are approaching these art forms without a structured practice, and that's completely okay. You know, it just becomes a sort of different thing. To some people, it really matters most just to re- rehearse and practice and really drill in. And I think that word drill is really like the aft word for that. You know, a repeated practice to get muscle memory and technique completely effortless. And some, for some people, that's the priority, and that's what they enjoy the most. And for some people, that's how they access their focus, is having a really difficult challenge right in front of them and repeating that action until it feels less challenging and then moving on. But for some people, they don't like that experience. That's not their priority. That's not their motivation. And both are completely kind of included within the umbrella of the term or within the term of juggling itself, too. Um, and then I'm, personally, I really love the the kind of balance or marriage of those two things really rehearsing and practicing and getting the muscle memory in so that i don't have to put very much of my mental energy into the decision making process or the challenge aspect of that activity or that action and and through that rehearse uh, like kind of refinement of technique then i'm able to put more and more of my focus and creativity into it it becomes more of this sort of free form of expression yeah and that's when you really, I guess, fall into that flow state. Totally. I think the marriage of those two things for me personally is is like what most consistently gets me into a place that is relaxing and comforting and, and really fulfilling a uh, state of mind and just state of expression. Yeah. So how did you get started to begin with? Because you're now like pretty big in the flow world. I don't know about that. So yeah. how, like, how long have, have been you been doing, doing this and, and what, what sparked your interest? Uh, I've been doing it for about seven years. Uh, I first got sparked when I was in high school. I was living in San Francisco, and my uh, high school sweetheart was going to college at Lewis and Clark College outside of Portland. And I went and visited her, and her roommate said that she wanted to spin fire that night. So that was a totally novel, weird idea to me. I'd never heard of anyone doing that. I'd never seen it before. Uh, So I I was like, okay, sure, whatever you say. And sure enough, she brought out these little tools, these little like cloth-looking cylinder-shaped poi was what I learned they were called dip them in some mysterious liquid, <laughs> lit them on fire, and then started spinning them around. And I was um, like instantly mesmerized. I was watching sort of the sudden intimacy I felt both watching her and know, and seeing how intimate she felt with her moment in that, in that moment. Like she was so lost in the sound of the fire, the movement that she was doing, you know, the, the like constant risk of potentially hitting herself and getting yourself lit on fire or burnt which i learned really isn't as much of a dangerous risk as i thought it was but it i could see that it was putting her in a really sublime state of focus and joy and it just made me want to do it i was like wow that looks like so much fun 
And I also recognized sort of um, a mix of, for me, I really loved uh, sports when I was younger, both skateboarding, sort of extreme sports, as well as group sports like soccer and just athleticism in general, like using my body. And I also really loved dance. I took a lot of hip hop when I was younger. And I saw this as like a sort of a, a melding together of several of my most kind of joyous memories from childhood of things that I like to do, types of activities that I like to do, put into one and then had this added extra multiple layers on top of it. Um, so I, I was just really attracted to it. And the next day there was a juggling store and there still is in Portland. And I went there and bought my first pair of really cheap, very hard and not easy to use uh, glow poi, uh, LED lit poi. And I've probably touched them almost every day since then, about seven years ago. Um, and I just got fanatically uh, <laughs> obsessed with it, completely, completely addicted to it and would have them in my hands all hours of every day. I'd be going through the grocery store, spinning my poi <laughs> and I met people through it. And then those people introduced me to other people and they taught me new ideas and new techniques. And I was introduced to this worldwide community of people who were passionately interested in this and developing it and sharing it. And uh, was just, you know, then the community and the social aspect actually I think is what is what grabbed me even further and has really uh, made it more of a sustainable long-term passion for me. Something that looks so nice about the community and these events and just the whole concept in general is that unlike a lot of other sports, there's no rules. There's no like, oh, this is how you do this thing, you know? Um, and I, I feel like that allows for a very like friendly, welcome, open like environment where people can try different things and they're not, they don't like feel weird because, okay, I'm like, I'm not good at this thing or does this particular way of doing this look weird because everyone is kind of a trailblazer as it were. Like everyone's just doing their own thing. Totally. Completely agree. I think it's a really unique, maybe not so unique, but it fits into the artistic um, like arts culture because of that, the, you know, because you can get involved with it and creativity is valued. So people are going to say, oh, you're doing it in a total, a new way that I've never seen before. That's awesome. People might have standards of what they value and what they think of as a sort of beautiful thing to watch or a beautiful way to do it or a correct way to do it. Um, but those standards are easily recognized. If somebody is going against those standards, people are easily like very quick to appreciate that yeah. and to be like, wow, cool. Now I have a new way to consider this thing that I've been very used to. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. And I, I've seen because of that, I think children as well as adults are very easily brought into it and very, it's a really welcoming experience. If you see people in the park doing it together, they're, I, I guarantee you, if you go up and say, Hey, can I try? They're going to be so happy to have you try and they're going to be encouraging and supportive. Um, and that's awesome. You know, there's a lot of artistic communities that maybe aren't so easy to, to, to just easily walk into. Yeah. Um, yeah. You might need a lot more gear or you might need to pay to take a class. And this is like a little more visible and uh, communally accessible yeah. in, in my point of view. That's so cool. So a uh, couple things on that. For one, what is a good thing for a newcomer? So let's say you see people doing this in a park or you just want to try this out of your home because you're too nervous to do it in front of other people to begin with. What's your like number one recommendation in terms of degree of difficulty that that a new newcomer could and should tackle oh boy really depends um i think the variety of props to choose from from juggling balls to juggling clubs to 
Boy, Staff, Hoop, Double Staff, Dragon Staff, Fans. The list is like kind of endless now. If you see a group of people and you see a variety of props, just look at them and be like, which, which, which of those looks like something I could really enjoy? And then go up to that person and say, hey, I'm really I'm new to this. I would love to try. Do you have like actually first I would I would avoid asking for any recommendations and just pick them up and see what you do. See what happens, because it's rare that people get the opportunity to have a complete blank slate like that, because after you ask for recommendations and you get your first little mini lesson, you're never going to be able to have that blank slate again. Mm -hmm. Um, So I once had somebody, a good friend, Burning Dan, uh, recommend that I do that. And that I tell beginners to do that. And I really think it's a good idea. Just pick them up. See what happens. Play around. Like maybe you'll hit yourself. But normally they're pretty soft. You won't hurt yourself. Um, and if you're at home, I recommend maybe looking up a tutorial on how to make a set of poi. Or make a set of a, a practice staff. Or a hula hoop. Or where to buy them as an accessible thing. And I can give you references at the end. So are there different um, types of flow arts that are more dominated by men or more dominated by women? Yes, I would say in general, using my definition of the term, it's more dominated by men, um, which is an interesting conversation that's been going on for a while. Why is that exactly? Um, and I, I don't really have an, an answer to that personally. I'm not entirely sure. Um, maybe something to do with associate like gender associations with playing with fire, and that's often how people first get into it. It's the fire. So I, I have no idea. Um, but there are tons and tons of women practicing it. I would say that prop by prop, I do notice that there's a trend of more women who are hula hooping for sure. I think that is the most female dominated prop, yeah, uh, which is awesome. It's great. And I think that that has some source in kind of American hula hoop um, commercialization that's happened over time. Yeah. Seeing the hula hoop being used by women on in media, etc. Well, and it's something that that most kids have done. And from my experience, having a sister when I grew up and being around a lot of girls like girls are usually more drawn to a hula hoop than like us boys were growing up and when you are going to branch out and try something quote unquote new when you're now in your 20s 30s 40s 50s the probably like first safest thing that you're going to reach to is going to be something that you already have this like old distant relationship with you know versus for most guys they don't even really have a relationship with a hula hoop to begin with so why would they go you know you're not going back to anything Totally. And hula hooping, at least doing it on your body, which is the most common thing you'll see versus putting it in your hand and spinning it with your hand is, you know, something that takes a lot of hip dexterity and a lot of uh, general body dexterity and coordination that a lot of guys just haven't really practiced as much. Unfortunately, yes, there's lots of exceptions to that. But I think that there is a trend there. Yeah, Um, I would say that more and more so uh, very, you know, which I'm really happy to pronounce or, or announce is I think that I see a lot more women being involved in the floors and taking more leadership roles and generally just practicing it. And, uh, and that's fantastic. I think it's great. Yeah. Do you have a personal favorite? Like is Poi, because you've been with it for so long, are, are you now like branching out into other things or is Poi still your go-to thing? Poi is definitely my go-to thing. But I will say after about two years of only spinning Poi when I was first starting, I branched out and tried contact staff first, which is using a stick Kind of like what you have seen maybe in a martial arts boken. Uh, it's a large, long stick and spinning around your body. But contact staff is spe- specifically using that stick in a way where you're not always gripping it. Uh, you're, you're using the kind of surfaces of your body and rolling the staff around your body and using control with your shoulders, the back of your hand, or your arms. And so it's this kind of mix of balance and coordinate and, and movement. 
Um, and so I went to contact staff next, and then I went to contact juggling, which the most common uh, reference to that is from Labyrinth with David Bowie, where he has this crystal-looking ball, and he's swinging it back and forth. That's called contact juggling. It's actually an acrylic ball. It's an extruded plastic ball. Um, there's different sizes. There's different types. Some people do one ball, two ball. And it's called juggling even though it doesn't leave your hands, which I think is an important distinction to add that into the definition of juggling for the general public. It doesn't have to leave your hands to be juggling. Um, so I went into that next. And then I tried another prop called Puppy Hammer, which is a very mysterious, weird puppy hammer. Totally crazy name. <laughs> Just came out of a, a joke out of a group of friends and somehow it stuck. But it's, a, it's um, based off of a Chinese martial arts instrument called a meteor meteor hammer, uh, which is a very long rope with weights at both ends um, that you spin around your body, you can throw it, and uh, this was a, somebody who made sort of an innovation on that prop that it can be laced around your body and used like poi as well as like a meteor or like a contact staff. Okay. So I went to that, so I, I, I shopped around and did a bunch of other things, and it was great because each prop taught me a slightly different set of techniques and a slightly different feeling, different way of moving with my body. And then I eventually just said, wow, I really like poi the best. I, I, I tried these other things. I've enjoyed it. I'm happy I know how to do them now. I can teach a beginner or an intermediate how to do these. That's really useful for me. But poi is definitely the thing that feels the best. And I had to go through this whole kind of unpacking of exactly why that is. Now I have very, I, I know why I like poi and I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> what ways do you feel like you've like grown as a person because of doing uh, flow arts like a both in terms of physical skills and then if there's any sort of like mental changes that you've had over the past few years as well oh boy um i feel personally that it's been a really therapeutic thing for me to have um something that really boosts my sense of confidence by learning putting my time and energy into something that at first i saw and was like wow i can't do what that really good person over there is doing like i'll never be able to do what they're doing it they make it look so effortless they're so it's just incredible to watch i'm impressed i really over time has have slowly proven to myself that that was a really false belief that i had um and that there was no sense there, it kind of did away with my sense of there's these other people who can be really good at these things and then there's me and that empowerment and sense of confidence gained from no instead of saying oh i don't have enough coordination to do that now reckon now i i, I will you know, strongly feel that, oh, wow, if I just put a, the time and energy and I prioritize it, I will be able to do that. And yeah. I can apply that to anything in my life. And I do apply that to anything in my life. And that, I think, is the most dramatic and valuable lesson I've taken from it, is that sense of confidence and possibility and uh, and learning, like the understanding of how to learn something um, and the experience of that. Um, and then beyond that, I think just increase in coordination, increase in sensitivity, increase in uh, sort of understanding the laws of physics on a, like an experiential level, um, which I can then use as sort of analogies or metaphor metaphors for other things in my life. <laughs> um, you know, not forcing things and listening, um, uh, watching, all of these sort of like basic skills that I use in my relationships day to day or in my work, whatever it is, my family. What um. What types of people do you think would be really would really like this? Like, what types of people do you think should check out Flow Arts? Anybody, really, because I think there's a flavor of it for anyone, <laughs> personally. But you know, I'm biased, so <laughs> um, 
I would say people who maybe want a really accessible, low impact, relaxing and uh, you know stress relieving hobby in their lives. I think that that is this is a really fun one where your your body is moving, your mind is working. There is a social network in which you can make friends through and see people at weekly uh, flow arts jams or get-togethers, um, and it's like very uh, accessible. It's easy to start learning. It's like you get. I think this is something that's unique to it, is as opposed to let's say um, painting, which I think takes you know a, quite a bit of minutes put in to be able to start getting a really good sense of reward, strong sense of wow, I'm getting a lot better at this and that and the reward that comes with that. Flow arts, I think, on as as a whole are really rewarding really quickly. You don't need to put a lot of time into them to be able to get that, that little burst of reward and dopamine back. And I think that that is a really special part of it and part of why I think it's really uh, kind of apt for anybody. That's good to know. So you're not going to be just floundering around for a month. Like there'll be there'll be time periods in that month where you feel success. Totally. These little tiny successes, you know, you can take one point in one hand and you can do a little figure eight in front of yourself. And at first you might feel kind of hard. You might hit your leg a couple of times. It might be a little sloppy, but I guarantee you within even less than five minutes or 10 minutes at most, you'll be able to do that figure eight and you'll have the sense of, wow, I just accomplished something. And those little bits of reward and dopamine and uh, like a sense of accomplishment that they just build and build from there. And I think because of that, one, yeah, it's, it can be hard. There's a lot to learn, and you can keep learning and learning and learning forever. But because of that accessibility of, of reward, of accomplishment, I think it kind of is very self-motivating. Mm-hmm. It's, and and that, because of that, I think it's, I really do mean it when I think anybody, could, that it could be fitting for anyone, um, especially people who you know have a really busy, stressful work life and need something to relax themselves and who maybe you know aren't, interested in things like meditation or yoga or, or something that is the sort of common go-tos for stress relief. This is great because it can, I think it's very fitting for the Western sort of like high activity, high octane ADHD style mind. Absolutely. It strikes me as a very active meditation, just like a completely connected, like active form of meditation. Totally. Yep. I think that that fits really well. It's been my experience of it is that someone has a really hard time just sitting still for a while and using that as a like focusing on their breath and trying to relax through that can easily just put something in their hands and have something to that demands their focus constantly because the moment you lose focus you either hit yourself you drop something or you make some sort of error that lets you know that you made that error and because of that feedback system it it forces you to focus and then you if you add in things like throwing or fire then you just add that degree of risk (laughs) (laughs) and and then you're you're forced even more to pay attention and because of that it can be a really just a perfect fit for somebody who needs some stress relief in their life and a nice like fun creative hobby maybe also with the exercise involved too is another benefit but that doesn't feel ready or excited or very fit for doing other stress relief forms this is more fun too and that's really i think the important part is it's um you know it doesn't feel like work it feels like fun it's it's playful there's an element of just creativity and goofiness that can be brought brought into it um exploration and that's awesome a lot of other sort of uh you know it's a nice transition or uh, contrast to a lot of people's daily lives what are some misconceptions that you see 
that people have about like the flow arts community and people that are in the flow arts? Um, I think that the most common one is that it's a bunch of raver, hippie, drug user, Burning Man types. Um, there's definitely people have seen glow sticks for a while uh, as something that people put on shoestrings and they light them and at electronic music events like raves where they take a lot of drugs, people will use glow sticks as a sort of uh, an offshoot of basically a poi style. Um, and a lot of poi spinners did get their start seeing glow sticks and being exposed to it through either that culture or just through the seeing those like videos of that or somebody in public doing that. And then there's Burning Man, which is where a lot of fire spinning actually did get a lot of development and growth from the Burning Man Festival in Nevada. But the flow arts as a whole does not at all stay tied to that association and substance use and electronic music. There is an influence that's like one of the inputs, but there's also the input of European juggling culture and there's the input of dance culture and like hula hoop is a totally separate thing. So I think it's important to distinguish that flow arts as a whole is a much more complex, more diverse, more varied group of people than I think what the conventional association is. If you were looking to purchase like the actual products themselves, how much money would you be looking at dropping to get into this? It depends a lot on the prop, but I'm going to say a range of $10 to 100 So it's a really cheap hobby. It's, it's cheap compared to other hobbies where you need a piece of specialized gear it's really affordable and there's no like ongoing cost really like once you make your purchase you just do it wherever you want yep and you know that's a good point you can do it wherever you want do it in your room do it outside do it while you watch work whatever um and yeah i think it's the only other maintenance cost is if you are specifically interested in fire spinning you got to buy some fuel and you might need a specific um version of your prop for fire spinning um you can't there's most of the time people don't use their fire prop as their practice prop they have like two sets yeah um so yeah it, it depends on how involved you want to go and how what types of uh expressions of that prop you want to use whether fire glow or not um but and that can you know increase the cost a little bit but it's still not very much i think it's really affordable yeah yeah and then how about advice in general for people looking to get started uh i i really would advise meeting people in person there's a, there's a massive online community, and that's something I haven't mentioned yet, but that has been a growing force. And I'd recommend going and finding those Facebook groups. For Poi, there's a group called Tech Poi. Uh, for Hoop, there's numerous groups. Every, stat, every prop has its own sort of specialized uh, Facebook group, for example. And then there's YouTube channels and websites as well. But more, more aptly, I think, go and find your local Spin Jam or, which is, or Juggle Jam. Um, and go find those people and see where they're gathering regularly. There's generally like a weekly gathering or maybe once a month. Almost every major city in the United States has something like that. Go meet people. Go ask for tips. Just uh, don't be afraid. Don't be over, you know, like intimidated. Be willing to ask questions. Be willing to tell people like, hey, I'm new to this. I would love for you to show me something. As a whole, I've noticed that the people who are attracted to this are consistently really nice, friendly, awesome people. And like generally pretty interesting, intelligent fun people uh so i i just think you know you're you're, you're doing yourself a favor if you get involved with this group you'll, you'll find some <laughs> you'll find some awesome people i've made some lifelong friends with some people who i think are some of the most interesting individuals i've ever met yeah i'll get a full list of recommendations from you afterwards and we'll put them up on the half hour interim website so people can just go there and check it out sounds great um as well tell us uh, a little bit about 
the genesis of your film and like how all that went down because people have got to like if you have any desire at all after this interview to check out flow arts like you have to watch this film because then you'll be like oh dang like i really need to do this like it's it's a very inspiring film thank you i appreciate that yeah i can't encourage you enough to go check it out it's one thing to talk about it but you know audio is not what how this art form displays itself so seeing something visually really helps <laughs> um and it's short my film is it's 23 minutes long and that was very intentional to make it something that was long enough to get you know, a decent chunk of information across, um, but short enough that I could give it to the somebody running a school program and say, hey, you know, we want to run a, a program here for kids. Um, and they're like, well, what is this stuff that you call flow arts? I've never heard of it before. And I'm like, oh, we'll just watch this short video. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to keep it in that range where I could still call it short mm -hmm. <laughs> so that it was accessible. You could have your parents or grandparents watch it. Um, so yeah, it's basically a project I made that was motivated by the desire to um, have something else do the answers for me <laughs> because I was so constantly asked what is this stuff totally where does it come from now you'll have this too you can like send people to both places great I, yeah I love having just more exposure of what my experience of this culture has been and also kind of dispels some of those negative associations I, I uh, mentioned earlier just wanting to clarify and define and expose and uh, present, you know, this amazing, really unique, beautiful culture of individuals, artists, and uh, and people just like you and me <laughs> who are doing this thing um, and who are really loving it and getting a lot out of it. And I personally really, having seen the growth even in just seven years of the population that's engaging with this, I have no doubt that within the next 10 years, we're going to see it exponentially grow and see more availability of this as another physical education um, you know, outlet for children as well as for adults. Um, more, you know, seeing it in your local park more and more, seeing it in uh, contemporary dance theaters more and more, and, and starting to kind of applaud and promote the, uh, it being seen in that kind of venue, as well as just, you know, more of a accepted and understood and expected <clears throat> uh, physical exercise outlet for people maybe classes at 24 hour fitness or something like that. Yeah. I, that's very much right around the corner. So, you know, go educate yourself before it happens. And so you can, <laughs> so you can be like, Oh, I, I know what that is. Like yeah. I, I get it. Um, yeah. Go check out the film. It's flowartsafilm.com. If you feel like you watch it and you love it and you want to screen it in your local area, feel free, organize it, um, you know, get a jam together around the screening of it. It's happened a lot. Um, Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Dude, Nikki, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate having you here. Thank you, Blake. I appreciate it. It's awesome. It's awesome to talk to you. Hey, everyone. It's Blake. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I wonder how I could help Blake out. First of all, you are probably the nicest person in the entire world. Secondly, all you have to do is just tell a friend about the show. I would really appreciate it. If you're sitting there and thinking, man, my job is really interesting, or man, I do this totally badass hobby. I should totally be on this show then you totally should be on the show. Just reach out to me on halfhourintern.com, my website. You can email me through there. And uh, if there is another job or hobby that you don't do, but you just want to hear about it, you can submit any sort of idea through the Submit Your Ideas link on the page. Thanks again for listening. Take care.